Welcome to the Woman Rising Podcast. I am your host, Ashley Lane Adams. I'm a single mom, entrepreneur, and transformational life coach for women. So here's the thing. I spent almost my entire life being afraid to speak my truth, use my voice, or set healthy boundaries. So now I am on a mission to help as many women as I can learn how to use their voice, speak their truth, and step into their fully expressed, authentic selves. Join me every other week as I have conversations with women who have used their suffering and pain as a platform to step into their power. Because if we are gonna rise, we're gonna do it together. And you are so worthy of having the life that you love. What's up, y'all? Today, I'm talking with Bethany Covo. She is a holistic health mentor. So she's kind of like a health coach, but so much more. She also works on mindset. She also uses Ayurveda, which is the sister science to yoga. And she really just meets you where you are and supports you and uplifts you to get to where you want to be in your health. So without any further ado, here we go. Hey, Bethany, what's up? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat. Of course. Awesome. So uh, first of all, holistic health mentor. Love the way that sounds. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, so I I went to school for nutrition and um, it was pointed out to me actually recently. So I'm coming into like kind of things that we've talked about before is like what, where, like where I come from and like where I'm going. So although I went to school for nutrition, I'm like really trying to step into a new position that's not just inclusive of nutrition and health. So that holistic health mentor is something that I embody more than just saying I'm a nutrition coach because as a nutrition coach, people relate it to just like food and like I can teach you how to eat. And while I can do all those things, I can also do so much more. Like I provide um, people with like, more holistic approach to health, but health isn't just what we eat, right? It's the environment that we live in, um, the people that we interact with, like how we deal with our stress, how we deal with our change. And then the mentor pieces, like I like to be people's mentors. I like when um, people can like turn to me and ask me questions and like I can give my perspective and we can kind of riff on whatever whatever's going on. Um, I have like so many tools that I can provide for people. So that mentor rather than like just coach um, felt really good and powerful for me. So when I decided to change it, it was like stepping into my power and um, that's what resonated. That's amazing. So is there like a coaching <laughs> aspect to that? Yeah, definitely. So I would say it really is coach. I guess part of the mentor and part of that is really um, just the fact that I don't want to just be seen as a coach that has like a, and I feel like in the coaching world or in like the health world now, it's like really like a niching down to like, who do you serve and how do you serve them? And I know that I like have the capacity to serve a lot of different people. So coaching and like coaching in different capacities, which I feel like mentoring kind of encompasses all of that. So whether it's coaching people who already have their own businesses or coaching people who are looking for like that nutrition support or that health support. Um, so yes, coaching, but I feel like that mentorship piece comes like umbrella above coaching, if that makes sense. Gotcha, gotcha, umbrella above coaching. Can you talk about that more? Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think that I use coaching as a tool in my, in my practice with working with like my clients, but I've also been working with like business owners as well. So I almost think it just really comes down to like language. So like linguistics, which is like the, what you see as a coach might be somebody who tells you to do something rather than somebody who might be able to support you in multiple parts of your life. And, um, like being able to pull apart, like what that means. So I think with, yeah, like with the coaching thing, like we think about like sports coaches or we think about health coaches and it's like a very like single, like singular thing, which is great. Um, and I, my expansion of that has really just been because I have different avenues that I can coach people. So that tool of coaching can look different ways. And it's not just like blanket statement. Like I am a coach that does this, or I am a coach that does that. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's really for you. It's just mm-hmm. about, like keeping it really open and like yeah. open to work and on like multiple parts of someone's life and their yeah. journey to health. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it was also pointed out to me. So like I work with coaches, I think that every coach should have a coach. So I work with coaches. And even like I said, like the linguistics part of it is the fact that like she had pointed out to me, you know, like people have connotations of like what a coach is. So if you say a nutrition coach, they think they're that you're just going to provide them with a meal plan. And that's not what I do. So you, we can look at words like you're a teacher. What does that mean? You're a coach. What does that mean? You're a business owner. What does that mean? Just as humans, we have human nature that will put on a definition or a meaning just of what we're used to or what we're, what we relate things to. Um, and, and, and again, that just resonated with me. And I was like, that does make sense. Cause I think about a coach as like a sports coach. And I think about a coach as somebody who's going to just like almost be that person that says like, this is what you're going to do. And this is how you're going to do it. Whereas my thought process on that mentor piece is it's just more broad. It's somebody that you can go to, whether you're having a life problem or a kid problem or a self problem or, or challenges. And like, how do you provide support for that rather than like giving people exactly what they need to do, which is again, my interpretation of coach. Yeah. So what are the, your favorite kind of results that you love to help people create? Um, good question. So (laughs) I, I have a lot of people that come to me because they're like, I'm really confused in this world of health and nutrition and I don't know where to start. And I don't know like how that fits into my lifestyle. So the, the results that I like to give that I like to like work with people on is like, how do we figure out something that works for your life? So it's not, like I said, it's not just nutrition that comes down to like, what do you eat and what do you put in your mouth? It's very environmental. It's very like spiritual, it's physical, it's spiritual, it's emotional. It's all of these things combined. So the results that my clients get are, excuse me, this is what works for me. And this is how I know that it works for me because I've experienced and I've practiced it. So I always like to use the example of like, of yoga. So in a movement practice, like yoga is a movement practice. Um, and we, we practice it instead of like, we're going to go to exercise or we're going to go perform Pilates or we're going to go gymnastics. If you think about any sport and again, like yoga, it's the practice of what you're doing because practice can make perfect, but we also know that perfect is not what everybody wants. And it's not really an end game. It's just this subjective thing. (laughs) So practicing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, practicing communicating, practicing movement, same as like practicing your nutrition. So I'm in a a six-week program right now. I'm I'm hosting a six-week program for women. 
And what we talked about last night is like, how do we practice portion control? And practice doesn't mean that like it has to be this way in a strict way. It's just that we're going to practice consistently having this portion. We're going to practice consistently building this habit. We're going to practice putting vegetables on our plate. So it's this, it makes it so the result is something that you do. So my clients walk away, some six week women will walk away with, this is how I know that like four vegetables feels good in my day. This is how I know that if I feel a little straight off the path, I can always go back to these habits. I can always go back to these practices, just like in the similar sense, like yoga is like, you can always go back to the original flow that you learned. You can always go back to down dog position. You can always go back to child's pose. You can always go back to your breath. So there's these practices that we develop. And then I like to teach people those practices and building those habits because I think that's the thing that miss that's that's a miss between a lot of other like diets that people don't practice, they just do. So I guess in that case, it's the difference between like doing things and practicing them long term. So yeah. when like, yeah, the results that people get is that connection of you get to decide what you do, you get to decide how you do it. And it's not me just saying like, this is how it has to be. It's like, these are a bunch of choices that you can make. And if you consistently make these positive choices long-term, it will give you that long-term success, whether you're looking for more energy, whether you're looking for better body image, whether you're looking for more confidence. So all that stuff plays in together. And when, I mean, if you're a person that's like really trying to gain confidence, like, what do you have to do? You have to speak up and you have to like look in the mirror and not tell yourself, like, I don't like the way that I look. You have to practice being kind. You have to practice grace. You have to practice looking at yourself and be like, you know what? I like what I see. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. It's like, everything's a practice. Um, exactly. Yeah. I think, I think of like, uh, you know, because I have kids like the Peppa Pig, there's like a Peppa Pig episode where <laughs> daddy pig like is trying to get in shape and they're like, you have to run. And he runs like one time and they're like, you have to do it every day. And he's like, oh, I have to do it again. <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. Sort of like, yes. Like every, everything that's worthwhile is a daily practice. 100%. I love that. Yeah. And that's a, it's such a good example. And I like love that even like in kids episodes, I was actually watching, maybe it was Peppa Pig. Is it like Disney channel? I was watching something with like, with my nieces and I put it on and I'm like, these are really good lessons that they're teaching in kids shows. Now it's like, I think this one was actually preparedness. So it's like same topic. And it's like the dad didn't bring the pool toys and they're like, well, dad, like, what are we going to do? And he's like, we're going to figure it out. <laughs> Yeah. we're going to swim without it. We're going to be brave and jump in the water. And um, yeah, it's, it, it is, it's that practice. So whatever you're doing um, and it's practicing consistently, like it doesn't have to be perfection. I think a lot of people are like, well, if I don't do it perfectly, then like, why am I doing it at all? So it, whether it comes to like you're eating or I'm not a parent, but what I imagine is like in parenting is like, you know, like sometimes you're tired, like you're allowed to be a human too. Right. <laughs> oh yeah you're definitely tired <laughs> yeah so it's like but just like practicing giving grace to yourself and practicing like that consistency of like you teach your kids good habits and you teach your kids good patterns just like adults we teach our we teach ourselves and we practice these things so that we can teach them in a way that's authentic and that's aligned for our families yeah, 100%. So, um I'm curious to know how it is that you initially got on this path. So, I went to an all-girls high school when I was in high school and my so I so my story kind of starts like 
when I was born, I guess. <laughs> um, so, let me, so let me start over. So yeah, my story starts when I was born. Um, when I was growing up, I had two grandparents, two of my four grandparents, one had passed away. So um, two of my three that were alive were all had heart, they had either heart disease, diabetes, or like some other disease state. So call it, my grandparents had disease states that my parents grew up with. And so my parents took the time to say, we don't want to have to live in a way that is limiting and live in a way that we have to like counter sugars. So for diabetes or like eliminating salt and like all these other things that were passed down. So like back in the day, we used to think that if you have heart disease, you can't have salt. Um, so all of these things were things that my parents learned from their parents because of their disease states. And so my parents decided to, thank you parents, to flip the script and say, let's live in a way that is healthier, that gets us away the way that they knew from those disease states. So I always laugh because like hummus is like a condiment now that I feel like everybody uses, but I laugh because like I ate hummus before it was cool. And like now I can't even eat hummus because I'm like, oh God, no. It's like the, the amount of garlic hummus that we ate when I was a kid is crazy. And like oatmeal, same thing. Like I can't eat a bowl of oatmeal anymore because I'm like, oh God. It just reminds me of like, while everybody else was eating cereal before they went to school, my dad's like, here's a bowl of oatmeal with some raisins and walnuts. <laughs> so my parents, <clears throat> um, I was brought up in a household that was really food conscious. And I want to say that like from an honest perspective, it taught me what balance was because like I still ate fish sticks. I still like went to McDonald's for breakfast one morning a week. My parents still would randomly like drink soda when we went out, but I never had things in my house. Like we didn't keep soda in the house. If we had soda, it was that like, I don't know if people know this, but that like gold can diet, sugar-free, like everything free Coca-Cola. I don't even think they make it anymore. Uh -huh. But if, but if you're listening to this and you know, it's like this gold can, it's just like, it's pointless to even be drinking. <laughs> I think I do remember a gold can. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's very old. Now I think they have like Coke zero and all those, but this was like before any of the zero calories. So yeah. this gold can of soda was in my house and we would also have seltzer. And it was just like, mom, why can't we just be normal and like have normal kid things and like sugary things. But Instead, I always had like corn tortilla chips and we would have like vegetables. So I just grew up eating carrots instead of eating fruit snacks. And I grew up eating apples before I ate like chocolate. Like it just wasn't an option. And I mean, this was also 1990s. So there wasn't as much advertising and marketing towards kids to like have to make these decisions or like pressure on parents. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my parents really just like made that decision that was like, it wasn't strict because like I said, we still ate not amazing food, but we, but we ate it in a way that was, like I said, consistency. We consistently ate healthfully like the majority of the time. So then I got into high school and when I was in high school, I had these habits, which I didn't even really know were habits, but I was like eating carrots and eating hummus and like doing all those things. And I, I always felt good. And I had activity, like I played soccer when I was younger so I go to an all girls school. It was a Catholic school and um, I was always around women and they, a lot of them had sisters. And what I realized is that a lot of them had distorted eating behaviors or disordered eating behaviors. And they would do things like before prom, like skipping lunches, skipping dinners. A lot of people were talking about restricting calories. They were, it was a constant topic that was like, how do you eat less food to be smaller? 
Mm-hmm. So from a place that I'm in now, I can see it's like, okay, is it physically small or mentally smaller? We can pull that apart. But I started to really lean in and learn like, I'm like, guys, this isn't like, you don't have to skip lunch just to fit in your prom dress. And of course, like being a young female, I was influenced by these things. So I played around with them a little bit and, but it just never felt good. So when I got to what, junior year, when you declare your major for college, I was like, I want to go to school for psychology because psychologists help women like get out of these states. And by that time I had multiple friends by senior year of high school, I had multiple friends that had gone through eating disorder clinics, had even been like gone to like weeks, weeks or like had semesters that they were away. And it was, I mean, you know, like it's like sad, it's sad to see. Yeah, absolutely. And it was like running deep, but again, like from my perspective now, it's like, okay, that was more emotional and psychological than it was about the food. So, or about the prom or whatever. So yeah, so pretty much I um, like talked to my mom about, or my parents about like, I want to go to school to be a psychologist. I want to help um, people with eating disorders, really like help them get through this. When I started to research it, what I was really interested was the food piece because I realized that I grew up like, how come I didn't have these things and other people did? And it was a really good reflection because what I realized is habits. Like I will reach for carrots and cucumbers and eat out of the garden and do things like that before I will go to cereal, before I'll go to whatever, junk food. (laughs) Yeah. So it was like a beautiful process that I got to go through. And then I decided to go to school for nutrition. I went to University of Connecticut and um, I was majoring in dietetics. And at the end of my, at the end of school there, instead of going for an internship, I just realized I was like, I don't want to work with sick people. I don't want to work with people who, because um, in dietetics, if, um, if you're not familiar with dietetics, dietetics is like a dietitian. So if you're a dietitian, you work in a hospital and a lot of times you end up prescribing whether it's like tube feeds or like a lot of people, like you end up working in like the elderly care and prescribing diets for them. Gotcha. And a lot of people, yeah. So a lot of people think that nutrition is just like glamorous. Like here's a food plan. Then you work with athletes, but like, that's not it. Right. So I got to the end of school and I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to work with people like hands-on one-on-one. And I got an opportunity to work at a personal training facility in Mystic, Connecticut, um, with a friend and there was an opportunity for me to do some nutrition there. And so I was like, okay, let's, let's try this. So I actually have lived, I've, um, worked, I worked there for the past seven years and like actually just recently left, but that's kind of really my background of how did I get started in nutrition? And as I, over the last seven years, like working in that personal training facility, I was able to develop like my own way. So how can I take all the things that I learned from school, plus all the things that I've learned in other certifications or other things that I've gone through and like my own experience, my own experience with myself, my friends, my family, the way that I was brought up. So I'm able to mix all of that into my own practices with my clients is like what's coming up for you and like how can I help support you in that so that's the long-winded um backstory yeah so how much um how much do you work with mindset in your practice so now I work a lot with mindset so when I got out of um college one of the things I think is like a total disservice of the dietetics world is that they just really talk about food so it's food science it's everything food, but it's not talking about, I mean, of course they do talk a little bit about it, but they don't talk a ton about like 
here's the psychology behind it. And here's like why we emotionally eat or here's about like, let's talk about being present. So I was missing that piece. When I became like that coaching piece, I decided to go to learn um, to study under precision nutrition, which is like an amazing online community. And they talk a lot about coaching mindset, like mindful eating, behavioral health, like all that type of thing. And then again, from like been working with clients for the last almost 10 years now, but once I've worked with clients, then I start to realize like, okay, this is not about your food. This is about your mindset. So now in my current practice and over the last couple of years, I really, really focus on mindset. So right now my six week program that I have is nutrition and mindset masters, because without, I can give you all the tools of how to eat. But if you are not ready to change your mind about how you eat, how you see your body, how you see the influence of other people on those decisions, then like you're never really going to change. Your mindset has to change before you can make any change, whether that's related to food or not. Yeah. And what is what are some tools that you use with your clients to support them in shifting their mindset? Yeah. So. I am a really, really big fan of the morning routine because I was not a more, I was not a morning routine person before. Um, I practice something called Ayurveda. So um, I can give a little background of it just yeah, if I talk about it. Okay. So Ayurveda is a sister science to yoga. It describes energy in the world. Um, Ayurveda is the lifestyle, nutrition, food, um, everything except for the movement practice because the movement practice is yoga. So Ayurveda is practiced a lot in India and it's a very old, like thousands, maybe even millions of millions years old. Um, and it describes like you are certain body, you can be a certain body type or a certain type, which we call a dosha. So this relates to the mindset piece because Ayurveda is the first thing that in my world I have ever come across that describes the type of mind that I have, which my dosha is like pitta dominant. So I am the positives of my pitta mind and my uh, practices would be that it's like really easy for me to pivot. It's really easy for me to just like go into a room and like introduce myself, say hi, and like be friendly. Um, I'm also really, or I can be really organized, but then when I get out of balance, I can also be very judgmental. I can really, I can strive for perfectionism. So I'm like, this isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. I can also overthink and get overwhelmed really easily. So there's three different uh, doshas. So there's pitta, vata, and kapha, and they all have these different things, but I'll just talk about my own because I think it's, I resonate with it more and it's easier to talk about. <laughs> so when you look into Ayurveda, you can see that for someone like me, I'm really attracted to like intense exercise, hot yoga. I'm attracted to all of these things, but the laws of Ayurveda are like attracts like and opposites balance. So to come to the mindfulness piece is I'm really attracted to intense yoga, um, intense exercise, those types of hot practices. But as a pizza personality, I'm already very hot. So yes, I'm going to be attracted to that. But the best thing for me to bring in balance is to do the opposite. So my mindfulness practice is to sit and meditate. So I bring that in into my morning routine. So when you look at your dosha, when you look at Ayurveda and you look at your dosha, and I have a quiz that I can link to you as well. So if people listening want to take it, they can. Um, but I, I base my own practices and now my clients' practices based on what their dosha is. And it also gives me insight for like nutrition and what their digestion is, how their energy is, what they're eating. 
So it's this practice that really like runs deep. And I've seen just amazing changes with people when they just tap into like one little thing. So again, as I'm um, going back to your question about like the, what's the thing is the tool that I use is like have a morning routine. If you're a person who's a pitta and you're constantly running, so you get up, you get out of bed and you just start, you hit the ground running and you're that person, you yeah. need stillness, you need silence. And that's probably the last thing that you want, but that's the thing that when you walk away from it, you're like, wow, I'm really glad I did that. So yeah. while intense exercise and hot yoga and all those things are great for me and I feel really good when I do them, I can also now recognize that when I do follow like attracts like, it can also increase me to the point of being off balance rather than being in balance. So another opposite example is kapha is a really cold, is a really cold dosha. And some of the things that happen in kapha is you'll be more stuck and you'll be, you'll really thrive in a routine and you'll also be a little bit more sluggish. So it can describe a body type, but some of the practices that I would do like for those kapha people would be the polar opposite of me, which is like hot pitta one. And so their practices would be, they're going to want to stay in bed and just like be chill and sit. But so a kapha person, the opposite to bring them into balance is to just get up and like do some movement. So I always like say like a kapha morning routine or like some of the tools that I would use for that type of personality or dosha would be like bringing energy to your body, doing something like flicking your fingers, blinking your eyes, because again, it's going to be the thing that you want to do the least. So me telling a kapha person like, okay, you're going to get up, you're going to jump out of bed and you're going to go do CrossFit or you're going to go do an intense workout. They're going to be like, yeah, no. So we have to meet people where they're at, right? So it's a, how can we bring energy into your day if you're that type of dosha or you're feeling more in like a kapha way? Um, so with the, that mindset piece is I do use Ayurveda. So what I've just described is Ayurveda is a huge piece of what I do because again, that's really resonated with me. And when I started to work with clients and describe this to them, they're like, wow, like I never thought of this, but this describes me to a T. They're like, you're so right. Like the last thing I want to do is get up and work out. But if I do get up and do that, I know that I feel amazing and yeah. it helps me for the rest of my day. Um, another thing that I use for the mindset piece is conscious eating. So it's not like feel the food in your mouth and like eat really slowly, but it's consciously and purposefully eating. So are you eating vegetables at every meal? Are you aware that you're eating vegetables every meal? Can you be, can you now start to like bring that consciousness in and actively put vegetables on your plate every meal? And now can we make that a habit and do it forever? So that conscious piece is really another way to say that I think would be just like habit building and the system that I use and like, I haven't named it or anything, but it's being aware. So of whatever you're trying to work on, whether it's bringing vegetables into your plate, whether it's having more protein, whether it's changing your food habits, whether it's um, just being more mindful in general of the life that you want versus the life that you have is bringing awareness. So first you have to be aware of like, what do you want? Because the society might tell us to like be skinny and be small, but like that might not be what you want and that's okay. I work with a lot of people, whether like some people are underweight, some people are overweight. So it all, it varies. But those people who are overweight, it's like, are you sure that you want to be small? Or are you just thinking that you want to be small because someone told you that you have to be small? Right. So that awareness piece is huge. Yeah. Um, and then what can we do and to lie behind? Yeah. 100%. I love saying, what's your why? Yeah. 
because why, like you said, is like, why can be, well, like, I just think that I should, but like, that's not a why, like, why is I want to be smaller because I perceive that I'll be stronger and therefore perceive they'll be smaller and therefore I'll feel better. But what people are really seeking is they just want to be stronger. And when you want to be stronger, it's because no matter what size you are, if you're strong, you can lift your kids up. You can run with your kids. Yeah. You can play in the water. So these things are not things that we conventionally think of as like weight loss or weight gain or any of that like bullshit kind of stuff it's like what do you really want I want to be able to live with my I want to be able to be alive for my kids forever like those are the most powerful whys that I get and that's the mindset shift is when you realize that you're not seeking weight loss or weight gain or you're not seeking these outward things um, just because but you're seeking them in a way that is purposeful and meaningful that's when you make a conscious shift. So when you're mindful to those things, it's like, okay, like put a kid, put a picture of your kids on your refrigerator, put them in your wallet, put them on the back of your home screen. So when you decide that you're having an emotional moment and you don't know what else to do and you're using this tool, but you're still just going to the fridge and like eating a pint of ice cream, like where can we give you that reminder of this is why you're doing it? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that's mm-hmm. like in everything and you, even just basic mindset work, right. It's like, whatever, yep. whatever it is that you're trying to create in your life, you get to know the why behind it, because that's the passion that's going to drive you to create that thing. Yeah, absolutely. And just really keep you aligned to that goal and aligned to yourself. I, so I do a lot of also like self-empowerment is another, I don't know if that would be considered a mindset tool. Yeah. I guess I would, but um, self-empowerment of I was just actually sitting with a, um, a business coaching client of mine. And I told her, I was like, before you can do anything, you have to know who you are. And I think that it would be better for you to really tap into that is like, who are you? What is your vision and what do you want? And what type of relationships do you want? And people do you want? And what are your values and all those types of things before you dive into this is what my business is going to be. Because when you come up, when you're aligned and you like have that alignment piece, then you can make decisions that come from a clear place and like be, be empowered by those decisions. And you second guess yourself less. You feel more aligned to your values. You follow your boundaries. Yeah. 100%. It's so, it's interesting because it's like, we're kind of not really taught to ask those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yet it's so essential to creating what we want to create, you know, and it's so mm-hmm. basic, you know, just like, what do you want? And even that, yeah. sometimes it takes a while to like sit with yourself to figure out what do you want? Because mm-hmm. we've, we've been shaped by so many outside voices and, you know, we can learn very, very early on not to listen to that inner, inner self, that inner voice. And so like, we get yep. to learn how to do that again. Um, so I love that you do that. Um, and thank you so much for sharing we're coming up on the end of our time um yeah so just as sort of a final question um for any lady who's listening who is feeling stuck having a hard time to step into her voice um or maybe even just like since this speaks to you um feels stuck in her health um what yeah would be sort of like a just a couple tips of encouragement for that girl as a first step to take I think really going back to what we were just saying, which is identifying who you are Mm -hmm. and what that might look like would be, this is a recommendation I just gave actually, is is, is starting to be honest with yourself. So if you feel like you are stuck, that you have that voice block, it's using your voice, 
But I think a lot of times people think like, oh, to use my voice, then I'm going to have to confront my boyfriend, husband, kids, family, friends, whatever. But sometimes that voice is just as simple as having a morning routine where you write in your journal and maybe you lock that journal if you have that type of relationship where you think someone's going to read it, but you have that journal that you write down something honest. So I just challenged one of my clients is write down three pieces of honesty. If that morning you wake up and you feel like, you know what, to be totally honest with myself, I feel like shit today. Or to be honest with myself, I'm having a bad body image. Or to be honest with myself, I don't want to be with the man that I'm with. And writing those things down. Um, Because I think that in this society, we live in like black and white. It's like, it has to be this or it has to be this. Mm -hmm. But there's so much middle room in using your voice into stepping into your power, stepping into your health. But it really starts with being honest. So the pieces that that I said, like, do you like, what do you really want? Do you want to be small? Do you want to be big? And then owning that. And it might look like writing it in your journal before you can physically say things out loud. And that's okay. It doesn't have to mean that just because you admit something, you now go and confront the person or that you confront yourself about that topic. It might just be as simple as writing it down first, getting comfortable with that, sitting with that, giving yourself grace and not judging yourself on that because it's not something that you're supposed to say and then going out and maybe eventually you decide that you are going to say it out loud. But I think that like to use your voice, to, to step into your power, to be your full authentic you is you first have to start by being honest with yourself and something that you can do to be honest with yourself would just be to um, find some sort of tool that you can physically write that down or maybe you like record a voice note for yourself but something that's just for you that feels that feels safe Mm, I love that that is so powerful yeah just take Mm -hmm. the time with yourself to just be honest just have Mm -hmm. the have the courage to just be yeah. honest and start out just with the safety of yourself. I love exactly. That. Awesome. Well, Bethany, <laughs> uh, anybody wants to come work with you? Where can they find you? Um, right now, I am on I am on Instagram or Facebook at Bethany Cavo. So it's B E T H A N Y K O V O. My website should be coming up soon. Um, same address, so bethanycavo.com. That should be up in the next week or two. But um, yeah, for right now, you can find me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, I'll be there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all your juicy tidbits, girl. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks so much for hanging out, y'all. Come find me at ashleyleanadams.com or on Instagram at ashleyleanadams. Share this with a girlfriend who needs to hear it. I love you. You are worthy. And remember, Use your voice.